Due to technical difficulty, there is a small sound interruption on the first two minutes of this interview. We apologize for any inconvenience and please note that it does disappear. Thank you. Hello world and thank you for joining me today. This is Shelley Shearer and you're listening to the podcast Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, where if I've experienced it, I'm going to share it with you. If I've learned it, I'm going to tell you about it and always some education along the way. Good morning world, Shelly Shearer here today and I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to have a special guest with me today on the show. Monique McDonald is a gifted and engaging speaker who inspires her audience with her wit and wisdom. She is an extraordinary trainer and a trusted authority on the topic of what she calls your sacred gifts. You've heard me mention me speak about her teachings many times on prior podcasts. Her teachings are focused on helping people find deeper meaning and a greater sense of purpose in their lives, whether at work, in their business, or at home. Her clients call her a shift disturber, and I can attest to the fact that that is very, very true. With 26 years of work as a registered nurse, Monique decided it was time to completely reinvent her life, and so she did. She created a program in 2003 called Discover Your Sacred Gifts, which has found its way into 15 countries around the world. Her feel-on-purpose formula contains the secret sauce missing from virtually all personal development programs. Not only did I have a chance to experience her in the midst of another course that I had taken, I then actually privately coached with her for seven months. And then a year or so after that, after going on a trip to England for business, I actually enrolled in her full weekend course, Discover Your Sacred Gifts, with a girlfriend, and my husband has done it as well. We absolutely are thrilled that she was brought into our life, and her teachings will change how you feel about yourself forever. So please welcome Monique McDonald. Monique, welcome. It is such a thrill for me to have you here. Thank you so very much for joining me. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, Shelley. Excellent. So today we're going to talk about really your life's work and what you've been doing the last few years. Um, As I mentioned in your bio, kind of gave our audience a little bit part of your past and your nursing background. So the very first question I'm going to ask you is regarding your course. What is your feel-on-purpose formula and how did you come to find it? Okay, well, um, thanks for having me, Shelly. This is going to be really super fun, and I'm happy to be here, and I'm really happy to reach out to uh, all your listeners. Well, the Feel on Purpose formula was born out of my original program that I created in 2003, the program Discover Your Sacred Gifts. And what happened, Shelly, is I thought, I believed that if people just knew what their gifts were, their innate gifts that they're born with, uh, that they would be happy. So that's kind of how my journey started. It was like, okay, I'm going to help people discover what their gifts are, and they are going to be, they're going to find happiness through that. And then what I found uh, in working with, with my students after they had discovered what their gifts were was, in fact, that for some people, it really was a missing piece, but for a lot of them, it created even a little bit more confusion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I can relate to that <laughs> as one of your former students. <laughs> Exactly. So what I came to see was that it was important for people to know what their gifts were and it was a foundational piece of personal development. However, they had to apply those gifts to something that was meaningful to them. And that's that's where this feel on purpose formula started from. So the formula 
is I'll give you the elements of the formula. Okay. And then you, you can kind of take it from there. So the formula is, first of all, what are your gifts? Okay, you, you got to know what your gifts are. You need to know what you naturally are equipped with. You need to know what tools are in your toolbox. Or mm -hmm. else, if you don't know what tools you have and you don't know how to use them, you know, you can imagine it would be awkward to build a house. If Absolutely. You, you know, you got a hammer, you got a hammer and nail, and you've got a saw, and it's like it's not working, and it's frustrating. So knowing what your innate gifts are is really key. And most of my programs really focuses on that, Shelly, because most people don't know that piece. Then the next piece was, okay, it's not just knowing your gifts. You have to be able to apply it that's something that, to something that's meaningful to you. So one of my gifts is teaching. And, and I say one of my gifts because we all have more than one. We all have several of them. So one of mine is teaching. But if I was teaching basketball to grade seven boys, mm -hmm. probably wouldn't be particularly meaningful to me. Not because that isn't important in the world and not because we don't need people doing that. But for me, that's not what would make me feel on purpose. For me, using my gift of teaching and applying it to what's meaningful to me, which is personal and spiritual development, then I'm more apt to feel on purpose. So those were kind of the first two elements. Then I thought, if people just know that, they're going to be happy. Yeah. And I found out, well, in fact, that wasn't so true, because what I saw over time was that it was super important to know that what you're doing is somehow benefiting or making a difference. So you're a perfect example of this, right? So you're, you're out there, and you're putting yourself out there in the world, you're using one of your gifts. You're mm -hmm. doing something that's meaningful to you, which is your whole topic of would have, could have, should have, you know, living life without regrets. That's really meaningful to you. Right. However, if you're doing this for five years and you never got any feedback, Shelly, and you felt like you were putting this out to the universe and nobody ever heard it or it never made a difference, it could be that after a while you might not feel as much on purpose because again you've got this kind of void it's you're using your gift you're applying it to something that's meaningful but who's out there who's benefiting from this so what i found is is adding that into the formula was really important for people to know how you were benefiting from what they were doing and then the last and then i thought if people just know that they're going to be happy but then guess what that wasn't it either <laughs> because the last piece that, of the formula that came into me was based on my own experience so I was using my gifts, doing something that was meaningful to me, and I was getting a lot of feedback that people were really uh, benefiting from what I was doing, and yet I didn't feel on purpose. And the piece for me that was I had never looked at was the fact that it was totally the wrong vehicle. So the fourth element in the formula is making sure you're in the right vehicle. Ah. So a vehicle, for example, would be a full-time job, a part-time job working casual, volunteering, being on stage, consulting, having a practice, being in network marketing. These are all vehicles. So what happened for me is, yep, I'm using my gift and I'm teaching and I'm teaching personal and spiritual development, which I love, get lots of feedback. I know that what I'm doing is making a difference, but I had created it. It was like a business. And you know what, Shelly? I knew nothing about business, business, truly sucked the life out of me because prior to this I had been a registered nurse for 33 years I worked in a salaried job and I mm -hmm. loved it I didn't have to think about how to find people I didn't have to go marketing I did not networking have, everyone's favorite thing <laughs> I did not have to 
go recruit clients when I got to the hospital. They were bed full of them, right? Like <laughs> yeah. so, so when I switched from the vehicle of a salary position to all of a sudden being in business without having the proper training, without being set up for success in that, without knowing what I was doing, right. it just plummeted me into the, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm doing what I love, and yet I feel like, you know, the energy sucked out of me. So that's when I realized that that fourth piece, the right vehicle, is really important. People that are in business um, who don't want to be, it's going to be life sucking. People who are working a job and they do not want to be bossed by somebody else and they want to be self-employed, they need to switch the vehicle in order for them to feel on purpose. So once those four elements were in place, what I found overall is that people felt on purpose. Then... The last piece really is that we're human, the H factor, I call it. You know what? We're human, which means that even if all those four things are in place, guess mm -hmm. what? what? Your relationship could be totally screwed up. Or your mother might be suffering from cancer. So even if those things are in place, in the moment, you may not feel on purpose because there could be something else going on in your human life that can be creating a bigger noise, overriding the joy you might have, you know, from, from what it is you're doing. So that right. was... That was kind of how that whole feel on purpose piece came to be. And I really wanted to move people away from trying to find their purpose. That was that was huge for me. To what do you mean? So nowadays, it's really very common language to hear a lot about go out and find your purpose. You need to you need to find your purpose. And there's an epidemic of people out there wandering about aimlessly like zombies trying to figure out and find their purpose okay as as if it's one thing and right it's not right look at you so if you look back over your career i'm sure that you've done things where you felt on purpose but mm -hmm. those are not what you're doing today no not at all life right? is fluid it moves exactly it moves and we can have we can have many different things going on in our life at once mm -hmm. that make us feel on purpose. So now what I do is I, for myself, is I really focus on, I just completely got away from finding my purpose. I just found it makes people nutty. And you know what? If you're trying to find it and it could be right in front of you, how would you know if you don't know what you're looking for anyway, right? Very true. Right. So instead, if we look at how we feel, if what you're doing right now, when you're doing your podcasting, if you feel on purpose, I would say, Forget looking for your purpose. Keep doing that. Keep Absolutely. Doing that. Yeah, keep doing it until it no longer feels like you're on purpose. And then when you no longer feel like you're on purpose, that's the time to now look at those individual components of the formula and go, okay, which, which piece is off? And for most people, it's not all of them. It's very rare that all the elements are out of whack. It's usually one element's out of whack. They know their gifts, they're in the right vehicle, they, they know what they're doing, but it's not meaningful anymore. Or or it's just time to change the relationship they're in is the issue. And it's got nothing to do with the work they're doing. So what I do, hmm. so I've created a life for myself where I'm doing many different things, but all of them make me feel on purpose. So I'm not focused on just finding my purpose and doing one thing. I, when I'm teaching workshops on stage, I feel on purpose. Okay. You know, when I'm volunteering at the hospice thrift store every Thursday afternoon for four hours, I feel totally on purpose. I would not feel on purpose if I was doing that seven days a week, let me tell you. It would make me nutty, but for four hours every week, I absolutely love it. I feel like I'm of contribution. I'm using my gifts and I feel right. on purpose, right? When I'm coaching people on the phone, 
I feel totally on purpose. So there isn't one thing I'm doing all the time that makes me feel on purpose. I just choose very carefully the, the things that I, where I put my energy to make sure I feel on purpose doing it. That's a very valid point, and I think a lot of people need to hear that very clearly because it is very true, and it's funny you should mention I actually spoke on it on yesterday's podcast, doing what you love and uh, spending time versus wasting time. And I have to say with, you know, working with you over the past few years and Make Your Mark and a few other things that I've been doing and getting back into the networking world, I am seeing that phenomenon in people, that they're out searching for the one thing. Life isn't one thing. <laughs> It, it really isn't. So whether they're unhappy with their marriage or unhappy at their job or unhappy in their family life, maybe something in that needs to be addressed versus dumping it all into the ocean and, and, and thinking it's just it's one thing they haven't found yet. Yeah. Okay, so you, you definitely elaborated on each aspect of that formula. I really appreciate that. And I know our listeners do as, as well. Um, so my next question to you, which I'm, I'm laughing to myself because of our personal experience, is does everyone have sacred gifts within them? Because as you know, <laughs> and I'll tell our audience, I was introduced to you through a, a small part in another course, and then I coached with you. And then my husband actually took your course before I did it a year later. And I was in England on business at the time, and he texts me in the middle of the night, well, for me, I have no gifts. <laughs> and I'm laughing at this bar with um, with his cousins going, my husband says he has no gifts. Does everyone have a gift of some yeah. sort? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So <laughs> the, um, the program that I teach is based on 24 very specific gifts. And it doesn't mean there aren't more. Those are just the ones that are most readily and easily identified. Okay. And out of that, and I've been doing this now for more than 10 years, I would say in my experience, what I've seen with virtually everybody that I've worked with is there is always indication of one for sure. Mm -hmm. But typically most people throughout their lives will have the opportunity to, um, to come into alignment with possibly three, four, sometimes even five different gifts. The thing with gifts, what we're looking for is patterns throughout people's lives, right? We're not just looking for a one-time phenomenon. That mm, okay. What we're looking for is evidence of these aspects of gifts that have been present from the time somebody is born up until whatever age they're at. And that should continue on going forward. So, for example, with the gift of teaching, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was like six years old playing in the backyard with my neighbor friends and cousins. And I would want to play school. And I always wanted to be a teacher. Not once. Not once did I ever want Wanted to be the student? <laughs> I wanted to be the teacher. And I remember, like, getting little pieces of paper and giving everybody a pencil and pretending they had desks. And I would create a lesson plan. And, and like, it was just in me. I that my mother didn't show me that. There was nobody who ever told me about becoming a teacher. It was just in me. And that's always been in me. If somebody stops me on the street and asks me for directions, mm -hmm. I will make sure I'm clear. I will check in with them. I will probably offer to get in the car and take them there if I have to, if I think they're not going to understand what I'm saying. So delivering information in a way that's clear and understandable and being able to pass on information in a way to people that makes a difference for them, that's just something I do. I did not train on it. So, it's so a, it tends to be innate in us right from the get-go? Right from the get-go. Okay. So so we may only see um, 
what typically happens, Shelley, is people will not see the gifts they have because to them, it is so natural. It's so part of the fiber of your being. It is so a part of who you are that the assumption is everybody has that. Right. Or the assumption is there must be something wrong with those other people who don't have that thing you have. Or the assumption is there must be something wrong with me that I can see words <laughs> from people and other people can't. Right. There's just also Human nature. What? I'm, I'm not like that. What's wrong with me? Right, exactly. Or human nature is there's nothing special about me. I don't have any gifts. Everybody can do that. So what's wonderful about the when people go through the full program and they Mm -hmm. understand all 24 gifts, that's when they can start to see, oh, I don't have any of those. I mean, out of 24 gifts, I can eliminate for myself 18, 19 of them like that is not me. And once I can... Once I know that's not me, it relieves this massive amount of pressure. There are other people out there who not only are good at those things, but they love doing it and they feel on purpose doing it. Mm -hmm. So that distinction between, uh, there's a lot of programs out there that talk about know your strengths, know your, uh, you know, look at where you're best equipped and skilled Mm -hmm. in that. thing is with that. I can be really good at doing something, Shelly, and it can suck the life out of me. Well, that's what, it's a, that is an actually excellent example because that is what I learned from your course. So as we both know, I have the gift of service. And your example of, you know, wiping down a bathroom counter is just one of the funniest things on the planet because as soon as you said it, I went, I'm looking around the room going, everybody doesn't do that. <laughs> so what I did, got, did discover at that time, though, that was a gift for me. But the gift of administration, where you would think, you know, maybe they'd be the similar, like, well, you like doing for other people. That was a skill set I had learned through my life, being employed. That was not a gift for me. I struggle with it. If I do it too long, I hate it. People just assume I can always do those things. But the gift wasn't the administration. The gift was the service. And I also learned a lot about my personality and the fact that in my gift of service, I could sometimes hide and not have to, you know, be in the public eye or do other things. I could hide behind my gift of service. So, so yes, I could see where for people, it never occurred to me. I just assumed everyone did it. That's right. And that, um, and that distinction of knowing that you can be good at, because then if, if people are being told, figure out your purpose, go find your purpose, um, figure out your gift. Okay, so somebody might think, well, gee, I'm really good at doing this. I've been doing it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, They tell me I'm really good at it. They keep giving me bonuses. How come I feel so empty? So again, it's like, well, maybe what they're doing isn't meaningful or they have a strong skill set and a strength and they're really good at doing something, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a gift. So Mm -hmm. when you look at the gifts, the way I describe it is the gifts reside within us in our humanness. Our, in okay. our beingness, okay, in our beingness, and then we're humans. So we're human beings. Our humanness is where our skills, you know, our personality, our culture, our upbringing, our beliefs, our whatever is right. all part of our humanness. And then, in spite of that, in spite of whatever that is within us, we have this little collection of beautiful gifts that can look completely in contrast to our humanness. So. You could have oh. a gift that, um, for example, you could have a gift that is actually quite nurturing, encouraging, a natural coaching type cheerleader gift. Right. And your personality could be pretty introverted. Um, right. You, you speak of this in your course. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. You could be a grumpy old, old person and still have this lovely gift. 
for one that comes across a lot that people see me is because I have a gift of teaching and a passion for what I talk about, I'm on stage. I'm totally, I love being on stage. It's like a platform for comedy for me. Like yep. I, you know, I just love, I just, if I could do anything, I'd be a stand-up comic. So I, <laughs> I love to do it. And uh, so people assume that I must be really outgoing. Oh, I must be such a great networker. I must have, you know, a big social life. And in my humanness, I'm a total introvert. Nobody knows where I live. I don't have anybody over at my place. Anti-gift of hospitality. <laughs> and you're the exact opposite. You're miss, you know, open door and have people over and entertain and all of that. And it just makes me cringe, right? I love to enjoy it, but I don't like to do that. You're my perfect so, guest. <laughs> yeah, I'm the perfect guest. So people assume, people will assume things about gifts until they understand it as well. So people made assumptions about me of of my personality and that which has nothing to do with my gifts. So my gifts give me the strength and the ability, a very compelling ability to be able to speak and communicate extremely well publicly and on stage mm-hmm. and yet, or to a group of people, it doesn't have to be on stage, it could be on a radio, it could be anyway, and yet my personality does not reflect that at all. So understanding that our gifts are part of our beingness. We don't know how they got there. It's kind of mysterious. Like, how did it happen that, how does it happen that some people can sing and when you hear them sing, it can bring tears to your eyes or it can bring joy to your heart. Yeah. And yet there's the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. So some people will say, because we really don't know, people make questions. People will say, well, because my mother's who share the same gifts because there's only so many of them um, but it's not we, it, we can't really explain it that way right. because it's about the fact that the person who has an amazing musical gift and no parent no grandparent they can't you know there's nobody where does this come from so these gifts are this mysterious origin that we can't really explain we can make assumptions you know some yep. people say oh if I'm Hungarian all Hungarian people have you know the gift of hospitality or whatever but if I was Hungarian, I still would not have that. <laughs> it just wouldn't name change at all if your name was different, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And yes, I definitely did make that assumption about you for sure. Yeah. So when you're teaching your course, you teach on, I believe it's 24 different gifts, right? Right. And are there aspects of those gifts that are sort of all in common? Or do you feel you've kind of addressed that? I'm just is, is, is the commonality just about them being innate or are there, are there commonalities that run, that thread through the different gifts? Yeah, there are characteristics that are, um, that are, uh, that apply to all of them. So for example, um, being of a mysterious origin is one of them. Another one might be that the, um, how you feel when you're in them, um, getting feedback from people uh oh here's one that's really interesting oh what's that one of the common characteristics is that in your gift you can be incredibly beneficial to people or a situation or Mm -hmm. animals or the environment or whatever it is and yet that same area in your own life could be totally screwed up so the reason for that the, the the best reason i can say that i've found in researching this and understanding it okay. is that they really these gifts that we have are meant to be for the benefit of others is that sort of one of the commonalities of a sacred gift it benefits the world or others at large that's right okay. so it could be and it can be a situation it can be that it benefits by applying 
what you know to something. It could be it benefits animals. So it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be just benefiting people or the world at large. It could be benefiting your one grandchild. But it's the fact that they appear to show up and right. come through us when there is that benefit to others. So I'll, I'll give you kind of a concrete example of that. Some, okay. people have, some people have gifts within them that allow them to be catalysts for um, the healing of other people. So that might be people who go into medicine or mm -hmm. chiropractors, massage therapists. Like there are certain people that are really compelled and driven to get involved in the arts or in work that is directly related to the care and well-being of the human body. Absolutely. Okay. I truly think they have to have a gift because there's where I am just like you with the hospitality, off the charts in the other direction. Right. Not yeah. my gift. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So okay. They're meant to be for the benefit of others. So let's say somebody has, uh, you know, really quite a powerful healing gift mm -hmm. and they really are able to be the catalyst through whatever vehicle they use, whether it's massage or reflexology or whatever, they're really able to help accelerate the speed of healing for somebody with a condition. Absolutely. So that, that person might be feeling really frustrated or even might feel like a fraud because their own health may not be in good order. Oh, that's so a good example. Have, right? So they might be really capable of doing amazing healing work Mm -hmm. with someone to help that person with whatever their ailments are and yet they might have very painful knees and they don't seem to be able to utilize that same maybe massage on their own knees doesn't seem to have the same effect so those kinds of characteristics that are that are true for all the gifts can really help people feel better about themselves and their own situation because often this will happen in coaching for example coaching is a massive like there's like an epidemic of coaches out there right now there is yeah, it really is like this new career path for a lot of people who definitely have one of the 24 gifts, which is encouragement or mm -hmm. challenge. Um, they naturally are um, coaches and they can feel a bit at times, uh, maybe out of sorts or feel yes. a bit fraudulent or whatever, because they're out there being super effective coaching other people in their relationships and yet their own relationship could be screwed up. So all Fair that. Enough. Say one of the common characteristics of all of these gifts is that whatever your gifts are, think of them as utilizing them for the benefit of something outside yourself. And mm -hmm. then yourself, whatever you need, you want to then draw on somebody else's gift. So if you have a gift of healing and you find that you're really effective and you're compelled to work in the healing arts for others and you have ill health, mm -hmm. instead of feeling frustrated about really trying to fix yourself or feeling that you can't go out there and express your gift if there's something wrong with you because people are going to question that. Instead, seek out somebody who has a gift of healing to work on you. Right. So that seems to be the flow. I remember Maya Angelou had a, a beautiful quote about um, sending our gifts downstream while we are ready to receive the gifts that come to us from upstream. Right? Yes. So that's really the flow of sacred gifts is that, you know, we use our gifts in a way that that's how we give service to the planet, whether mm -hmm. you get paid billions of dollars or whether you volunteer makes no difference. How much money you make or don't make has no influence on your gifts. It is just finding a way to be of service through your gifts, whether you get paid or not, and then also being willing to receive those gifts from other people. Because if 
if we're great at giving and we're not good at receiving, we're actually blocking Absolutely. other people's abilities of sharing their gifts and vice versa. If we're great at receiving and then we're not open to sharing our gifts, let's say you have a writing gift, but you're afraid to write or mm-hmm. you're concerned what people are going to think or you think it won't be good enough or who's going to read that and you get caught in all that and you never actually start writing and that if that was your gift, then you can imagine the sense of total frustration that person would have, right? Just feeling like, oh, I can't write because I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you started podcasting, I'm, you know, you might have had some thoughts about, oh, who's A few? Me? There was many, many, right. many. <laughs> Who would want to let me, the, the uh, doubts are forever. Who would want to listen to me? What have I got to offer? And that's probably one of the reasons I went into podcasting instead of writing a book, because I am not very well versed in the written word. I am very, I always apologize to new clients. You're getting my emails in point blank form. Just answer them, please. I'm not, you know, whereas my son, who's a very much an introvert, has a spectacular gift in the written word. And he's in, he's in the IT industry. That is not my gift, but I can talk. <laughs> so I ran with it. <laughs> but all the doubts were still there. Right, exactly. See, the doubts were still there, but what happened probably is on some level there was a compelling nature behind this that you you could have ignored, but you you really after a while you couldn't ignore it. It kept coming up for you that you know how a podcast. You heard about it and something triggered something inside of you, right? And that, Monique taught me I had a gift of knowledge, <laughs> and that has to be shared or it's not a gift. Exactly, and also that it will create tremendous frustration, right? So when we have a compelling sense inside of us, it's something that we want to do. Often mm-hmm. that's an indication of a gift that's starting to nudge at us. So our gifts are not all activated all the time in our lifetime. It seems like we're born with them. But they typically will, uh, they might be dormant. Some might start to show up at certain times in our lives, and then mm-hmm. it might go dormant and another gift might show up. Or some people are utilizing two or three of their gifts at once. Like I've got several of my gifts that are very active in my life right now, but it's not like I'm using all of them. When right. I'm, when I'm on stage, I'm utilizing my gift of teaching mm-hmm. and my personality of being funny. That's the two yeah. things I'm using. When I'm coaching people, I'm really using my gift of challenge. Like, I can really challenge people, right? Challenge. Yes, you can. So I can really be, um, I can be an excellent um, uh, listener, and I can mm-hmm. hold space for people. And a lot of people have tremendous breakthroughs just by talking to me, not by mm-hmm. me giving them advice or telling them anything. I mean, I really have a gift of encouragement. So different gifts for me are activated during different things I'm doing. Like you, I have a gift of service. So yeah, if I'm in the public bathroom and there's water on the counter, I wipe my hands, I take my paper towel, I wipe up the counter. Or if I'm walking through a store, it makes me nutty. If there's clothes on the floor, I just have to bend over and pick them up. Even though I'm thinking there's people paid to do this, I'll try and walk away. I come back, I can't not do it. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and if people... It's almost like a compulsion. volunteering at the thrift store mm-hmm. I am totally using I'm not coaching I'm not teaching I am 100% gift to service it is 100% task oriented I'm sorting clothes I'm hanging clothes I'm right. working with just right so when you know what your gifts are and you know what makes you feel on purpose the end result Shelly is people typically feel on purpose which is great which right. means they generally will be happier also it means like when you look at it from a business perspective or human resources in the workplace, 
people will typically be more productive. Yes, and what are they uh, actually, uh, just as a bit of a plug and background, I was introduced to you through Make Your Mark with Collins Frakes Teaching, and one of the things he teaches using your system is hire the gift, not the person. Right, because you can teach skills. You can teach the training, yeah. Or is it hire the gift and not the skill set? I can't remember which it was. I guess certain things you need a certain skill set for. Yeah. I do understand that. But there's a lot of uh, potential bumpiness that can be avoided if the person you're hiring has the gift that you need for that particular job. Correct, because otherwise if you hire only by past experience or skills, things they're good at doing, mm -hmm. you're putting yourself in a position of hiring somebody who's really good at doing something but doesn't particularly like it. Right. And so productivity is higher when people love what they are doing and when they feel like what they're doing has a sense of meaning and when they feel like what they're doing is benefiting others and when they feel energized. So when people are in their gift, typically they will feel energized. Right. They will be more effective. Extraordinary things can happen. That's the cool thing. When you when you start to kind of get to know your gifts and you, you can grow them to a greater extent by utilizing them, by putting yourself out there, by being willing to take risks. So they're kind of a bit like a muscle, Monique? It's like a muscle okay. for sure. And so what will happen is really extraordinary things can happen. So now today, because of social media, Facebook as mm. exactly, every day we get to see posts on our Facebook feed of the most extraordinary things that can do. You know, yes. like little kids that are doing extraordinary artwork or they are wise beyond their years or they're musically brilliant. And so with, we, we get to see evidence of how these gifts appear even in very small children when they haven't had any training, there's nothing, you know, then right. see, I saw, I saw a great little Facebook clip today of a man whose career completely changed from Mr. Corporate America to building the most inspiring, beautiful artwork with Lego. Like it is mind boggling, <laughs> mind boggling what he can do that you you watch this and it's just like oh my god it's unbelievable so there you can have extraordinary things start to happen and extraordinary doesn't mean like supernatural it means right. extraordinary meaning above and beyond what an ordinary person would be able to do with that gift not being present that when you have that gift you can do extraordinary things so somebody who has a gift of service mm -hmm. that task-oriented gift that we have typically can do the work of five people who don't. Yes, and again, we always just assume everyone's like us. I really struggled in my 20s, and I had a boss that had to sit me down once and said, Shelly, if they were you, they'd have your job. <laughs> You'd be yeah. working for them. They wouldn't be reporting to you. I just had to be you know, trained and mentored that everyone didn't have my gift. But I was just charging ahead with my A-type personality, thinking, what's wrong with all you people? <laughs> And I found that, you know, working as a nurse, I would get really frustrated. And then once I understood this, it really shifted um, how I, I really shifted how I saw myself in the workplace because I realized I could do the work of five nurses. And it frustrated the heck out of me when I saw others who I would label as lazy. Mm -hmm. They weren't being lazy. They were working pretty much the normal pace, but I really had that ability to be able to uh, really do an extraordinary amount of work and I was energized by it and I loved it. So there's, that's the, there's the point if I could just reiterate that for our audience. You were energized by it, weren't you? Yeah. So it wasn't like, okay, I'm six hours in. It's just going to end any minute soon. It's just like, there's just more to do. Let's get her done. 
That's right. So ah. when I, yeah. So when I was working, you know, as a nurse, my first few years, I worked on a teaching unit. Mm -hmm. So we really focused on um, first diagnosing clients, but then teaching them and making sure that they were really plugged into the resources available, making sure their families understood, understood, understood. So it was 100% using my gift of teaching and also service in just getting the task done you have to do as a nurse. Then I went for 16 years in the intensive care unit as a nurse, just about killed me mm -hmm. because though I was eager to learn and I enjoyed the learning of it, um, my teaching gift was kind of had to be parked because all of my patients were on life support in comas with breathing tubes down. So first of all, they're not conscious. Secondly, they're not least bit interested in anything I want to teach them. <laughs> you know? Right. So, so what happened is this, Part of me that was so compelling that I had such joy out of teaching was not happening anymore in my interactions with my patients. So instead, I ended up getting involved in network marketing, actually, and started doing all my teaching in wellness and nutrition. Mm. So I still had a way to express that gift because yes. it was longer. And I started volunteering um, to take student nurses. And once I started having student nurses assigned to me, oh, my God. And there were nurses who would run the other way. They did not want a student nurse assigned to them. I totally wanted it because I, I realized later it gave me an opportunity again to be teaching. Of course. Yeah. And I just loved being able to do that. And the experience for them was good as well. So, so excellent example of same career, yes. two completely different outcomes in how your gifts were being utilized. That's right. So then at the end of 16 years, when I realized that I was really longing for more connection with my patients and I wasn't getting it in the ICU, I left the ICU and I went to work in palliative care, which is the care of people who mm -hmm. are, you know, have a terminal illness. They're not hospice yet, but they're, they have a terminal illness yes. and trying to help them have the best quality of life. And there in that unit, my gift of encouragement and that um, just listening to people and holding space for people and some teaching as well, um, but less the service, super busy, crazy, mm -hmm. high intensity of an intensive care unit. And what I found is that some of my other gifts started really to come to the surface when I was working in palliative. I could have sat for a 12-hour shift and just listened to somebody talk about their life, and I knew that it was healing for them, and it, I, it was totally enjoyable for me to mm. do that. And yet the, the person right next to you could want to put an ice pick through their forehead. Yeah, just going, exactly. yeah, you all need to stop speaking now. <laughs> that's exactly right. So that's what happened. What I saw, like when I worked in the intensive care, there were nurses who didn't have any of that stuff, but they were like super organized and they were high tech. They understood all the technology. Like I never, I had to learn the skill of understanding technology. Mm, mm -hmm. Then there were nurses who really had that gift. It's and intuitive they, for them. Oh my God, they could, yeah, they could totally, you know, figure out machines. And if something wasn't working, they knew how to fix it. I had to call somebody. I mean, I was just like the technology of working in the ICU was beyond me. <laughs> but I had to learn the skill, and it was just life sucking. Like you say, you want to stick an ice pick in your forehead. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, one of the first things I had to learn when I was taking pod, the podcasting course, and I'm so glad I spent the money and did it, because the very first uh, webinar was do not get lost in the tech. That is not your job. <laughs> you hire people for that or learn the basics. We'll teach you the basics. Here's how to get it done. Your job is to talk to the world at large. So I have, I have a question, and you've actually already touched on it a little bit, but I also uh, just sort of an example of something that happened when I was in your course. Again, with uh, the question, so the question first is, 
is it okay to make money using your gifts? But the other part of that is, do you have to? Because one of the things I discovered is that when you talk about working a muscle, when I took your course, being in those environments of, say, for instance, the Make Your Mark, where you're in two or three day courses and you're put into small groups, the gift of facilitation came to the forefront so hard and so fast, the people in my group were just looking at me going, wow. And I had never experienced that before. I did not consider that a gift even after, excuse me, taking your course. This kind of came a little later. Um, I thought, where did that even come from? And yet I can't say that I would find a way to make money at that or that I would even want that in my day-to-day -day life. Thrilled that it helped those people in that moment. That, And it really was quite extraordinary because it, my mind quieted. Everything just shut right down until all I was doing was holding space for that person asking the right questions. And I kind of like one of those divine intervention things where you think, "Woo, where did that come from? Um, but is it okay to make money or, or do our gifts sometimes just manifest when someone needs them? And that's all we need to accept about it. Really great, great question. Because I think this is where people get most kind of caught in knots about this. So the way that I sorted out my own head is I became very focused on my, you know, what I was putting out to the universe was, Please use me. Like I want mm -hmm. my gifts to be utilized in the world and I need mine. Yeah. <laughs> so I really clearly separated the two. If it so happened that the activities I was doing generated income, that's great, but it could not be one or the other mm -hmm. because it's pretty hard to function in this world unless you become a nun, a priest, a Buddhist monk, where there is a community that's going to support you, feed you, look after you, pay for you, and go raise money so that you can live that lifestyle then that's great, but the rest of us... you got to go earn it. <laughs> you got to make money. Okay. So, or you got to have income. It could be your spouse makes income. It could be an inheritance. Whatever it is, the fact is we need revenue of some sort coming right. in. So by separating the two, I would say then um, it takes the pressure off of trying to figure out how to monetize what your gift might be, but... If you can find work, once you understand what your gifts are, and let's say you're looking for choosing a career path or a change in what you're currently doing and mm -hmm. change of direction, then obviously, once you know this information, it totally makes sense that if you're going to choose something, choose something that's in alignment that's going to allow you to activate your gifts because you're going to feel more on purpose regardless of what you get paid. Right. But the connection between the two, what I came across uh, a lot, Shelley, was the conditioning the religious condition that many people had that it's wrong to want to be paid or make money using mm -hmm. yes okay well we come from That's, a generation prior to us that money wasn't spoken about in public and it was dirty right it and was so very cultural for us in north america that's right. And so the that where I saw that that came from, that those thoughts came from, is because there are certain gifts. Out of the 24 gifts, there are certain ones that people might think of as being more woo-woo or spiritual, right. whatever. So they might think, oh, well, it's not right to make money. Or somebody who can channel writing. Okay, somebody can just pick up a pen and it flows through them and they can write. They might feel like, oh, well, that isn't coming from me. It's not right for me to charge because oh. it comes from some external source through me and I'm just a channel, so I can't charge. Okay, that's all made up stories. The fact is that whether we make money using our gifts 
whether we don't make money using our gifts, whether we volunteer them, whether we give them away, whether we get paid millions of dollars is not the issue. The issue is find activities where you can use your gifts and be clear with the universe that you also need to make some money. Okay. Because let me give you an example. As a coach, one of the, uh, and a mentor, one of the gifts that I utilize a lot is holding space for people. Yes. People confide in me. People tell me stuff that they might not tell anybody else. People just open up to me. It's not like I even have to ask a lot of questions. Often people (laughs) will just share. So I listen. And yes, as a coach uh, and the work that I do, I charge people for that. However, if I'm sitting on an airplane and the guy next to me starts telling me his life story and he's clearly needing to unburden himself about his relationship with his wife and the lack of sex they've had for 10 years and he feels compelled to tell me this, I can hold space for that, and I really can hold space for it, and actually, I know it's going to happen, so if I don't want to have that kind of interaction Mm -hmm. with somebody on the airplane, I will take out a book, and I will shut my eyes or do something, because if I even look at somebody sitting next to me, probably this is what's going to happen. I can't control it. You're wearing a sign that says, talk to me. It really is a gift that I have. However, at the end of the flight, would I turn to him and say, hey, Bob, so, you know, thanks for sharing. And now I'm going, here's my invoice. Right. Right. So, so there are naturally times in our lives where we do things. Um, maybe there's a flood in our town and they need people to go and pile up sandbags. Well, you may have that gift and you might find that enjoyable and you may not, but you just go do it. But, you know, then you're going to like, oh, okay. Yeah, I have a gift of service, but how am I going to monetize that, right? I mean, it's just craziness. So, yeah, what we're looking for is to be of service through our gifts, whatever it is that they are, and whatever it is you're doing for income, hopefully you're utilizing some of your gifts because you're going to feel more on purpose. So there is no question to, is it okay to make money using your gifts or isn't? It's that we need to do both. We're going to feel on purpose if we're using our gifts, and we need money. Okay, no, that's a perfect answer. And yes, you're right. People, that's a that's a, a shift in someone's thinking, and it, it definitely is something I think that has to change in the next generation. Which I think it is. It's our generation, though. There's so many of us still in our 40s and 50s that are considering career changes, and these are the questions that I'm coming up against all right. the time that I keep hearing when I'm out and about. I'm going to. Um, I've got a, a two-part question to ask you, but I I definitely want you just to quickly address about the gifts that we don't have and is that a problem because and I bring it up specifically because when I did actually take your course I was there of course with a dear friend and my girlfriend Birta has no gift of uh, service and she laughingly of course didn't think she had a gift of hospitality you'll probably remember the uh, the story because she just figured if no one was throwing if, if you weren't throwing parties like I threw them my husband and I you didn't have that gift and that's just she just is so hospitable but she really doesn't have the gift of service just like you don't have the gift of hospitality and she's quit apologizing for it so is that sort of, uh, what about the gifts you don't have and the guilt you sometimes feel about not having them? Right. Um, I would say that what I would not encourage people to do is to um, overlook an opportunity to step in and help because you don't have that gift. In other words, I wouldn't want this to cause people to say, oh, I'm not going to get up and move those chairs around because I don't have a gift of service. Right. Uh, instead, it's... Um, knowing what gifts you don't have is meant to relieve a tremendous amount of burden and weight off of your shoulders. You may still need to step up at times, and in your job especially, if you're hired for a job and you have 15 responsibilities, hopefully more than half of those responsibilities lie within aspects of you that allow you to use your gifts, but there's going to be stuff we have to do, right? There's just stuff that needs to get done, and 
nobody likes to do. I mean, when I was a nurse, yeah, I had a gift of service, but nobody likes to clean up bars. But you know what? You had to clean up bars. Right. So it's part of your job. <laughs> I to say, oh, you know, I don't have that gift. I'm not going to do it. But it's understand what it does is it gives us this amazing understanding as to why we don't enjoy what we're doing. Then at least if we know, okay, I have to do these things, but I actually don't have that gift. So it's not as enjoyable. It allows us to be able to do it with a little more grace. Mm. We need to do it as part okay, of the good. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Like yes. we have to do it, but then there's this understanding behind it that the reason I feel more on purpose doing this thing over there and I don't feel so on purpose doing that is probably because it's either not meaningful to me or I don't have the gifts that align with that, but it still has to get done and I can do it with a sense of grace because it needs to get done. So, however, if you're applying for another job and it's wanting you to spend more of your time doing those things that you're good at, but that suck the life out of you, at least now you've got this framework to build from of knowing, okay, those are not my gifts. I could take this job, but I'm going to be spending 80% of my time doing stuff that really doesn't feel good for me in exchange for 20% of doing stuff I really love. And I would say most people work that way. And what, what typically happens in the workplace is when people, when that feel on purpose formula, when, when they no longer feel on purpose, what typically happens is they start to blame their coworkers, they right. their boss. They start to blame how much money they're not getting. They start to blame the union. They start to blame the industry. They blame the time of year. There's all this blaming when, in fact, if they were to look at it and break it down, what they might see is, you know what? I've loved doing this job for 10 years, and I have felt on purpose, but I don't anymore. And it's nobody's fault. It just is what it is. Now I need to look at those components and see which piece I can massage in order to get back to feeling on purpose. And often... It's not about leaving the job you're doing at all. Often it's really being able to look around your workplace and see something else that you would enjoy doing more mm-hmm. or recognizing there's actually nothing wrong with this job and it's perfect for somebody else, but you have moved beyond it. And that's where I tell people, you know, you've got to get out of the parking space. You've got to get out of that parking space. Someone else is waiting for it. <laughs> somebody else is waiting for it who will feel totally on purpose. Right. Doing exactly what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with the job or the coworkers. It's that it's not meaningful to you anymore. Get out and drive around, you know, and find another spot. But I really, I really appreciate you for you for actually explaining that. And to my listeners that were listening to the show yesterday, this is just more of a piece of what I spoke on and doing what you love. I was I had a girlfriend here that was talking about volunteer work and how years of doing something in her elementary school with the first child, the second one's all there now. And she's like, you know what? There are things that I just really do not love. Um, and there are other people that are willing to do those things, want to do them. So I'm going to kind of step over here now because I realized after six years in trial and error, I love doing this over here. And so that is a brilliant explanation. And thank you because I didn't expand upon that yesterday because I was hoping you would talk about it today. (laughs) So this next question is kind of three part because I want you, I just want you to be able to kind of run with it. You know, we always look at, um, once we kind of get ex- uh, exposed to these kinds of concepts, then the questions start arising if we haven't worked with you or taken your course quite yet, is, you know, how do I know if I'm using my gift? Are there certain signs? And if there, is there a process to finding it? And, of course, you teach that in your course. So if you would like to just touch base on, on those and perhaps use one of the gifts as an example, and you have spoken quite clearly on a number of them, but if you wanted to give us a little more example of detail of one of those gifts and how these other two questions kind of fit into it, I know our audience would really appreciate that. Okay. 
Um, okay, so let me start with the, the last part of um, how we do it. So okay. the way that we the way that we do it, workshops is one of the ways I do it, but ways that we do it that are more globally reaching people is through uh, an audio series that I created that allows people to go through basically all of the content and hear about all of the gifts being described and also do a gift assessment. So that's, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's the audio series and that's available to anybody. It's really easy to access online. Mm -hmm. And I give you that link at the end. Thank you. Um, so then once they have identified what their gifts are and they understand that feel on purpose formula, then the next part of it is really to be willing to actually take a real look at your life and look at your work and look at what you're doing and be willing to identify which part of that formula is out of sync because in the program you will you will come to understand you'll know exactly what your gifts are okay exactly which ones you don't have and then there's this little leftover handful small amount of them that we're not sure about so there's the ones like yeah that's me that's me mm -hmm. that's me then there's the ones that like that's not me and I don't even want that even if they paid me I don't want it <laughs> and, you know that's the ones those are great you know the whole goal of doing the assessment going through an inventory and actually doing an assessment and getting scores at the end to help eliminate the ones that are not you. But there are going to be these ones in the middle that are like, gosh, I love to write and I have thought about writing a book, but does that mean mm -hmm. I have a gift in writing? Or is it like you, you realize you had something you wanted to say, yep. but then what you, you thought that meant you had to write and then you came to the realization, no, I'm a speaker. I need to speak this. I need to share <laughs> the knowledge I have. And so there's going to be these, leftover ones that are like oh i'm not sure and that's where people need to be willing to experiment and explore and be open and be willing to try things or go back and look over their lives and see you know yes actually before i got married man i did that all the time i love doing that i felt so great doing that but once i got married i you know i wasn't able to right. travel the world or whatever it is right so um, an example of that, a gift uh, that some people might be able to relate to, it's another one that I don't have, um, a gift of cultural integration. Mm, yes, I remember this one from your course. Yeah, so that's one of the four. There are four gifts that I, that I refer to as lifestyle gifts that are a little bit separate than the others. But these are people who are very compelled to go travel or be in other cultures. You don't necessarily have to travel. Like in Vancouver, somebody with the gift of cultural integration might choose to live in Richmond, which is 85% Asian, and mm -hmm. love being in that culture, love integrating into a culture that's not your own. People of the other cultures will typically really accept you. These are people who go work in other countries. These are people who go teach English as a second language in Japan. Mm, they have a okay. gift of cultural integration and a gift of teaching. So for them to go teach English as a second language in Japan would totally make sense to them. So um, cultural integration, for example, um, that compelling nature of not just wanting to go visit a country and learn about it, but to actually get into it. So right. I, don't, I don't have that gift, and yet I create amazing trips for my students to go into other cultures, but I'm the kind of person, I have the gift of knowledge like you do. I love to learn. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to go to another cult, country and culture and have an excellent guide and teacher tell me all about it, and I can look through the bus window and walk about and enjoy it. But I've traveled with people who just, they, they will leave the tour to go in and knock on people's doors and get in their homes and get in their shops and spend time with them and 
and and and then want to go and live in those cultures. Right. So if you have that, if you have that gift, and you're you've always had this strong pull to want to travel, and then you do this program, and you're like, oh my God, I have I show indications of the gift of cultural integration, and it's always been so compelling. Then you've got to find a way. You want to find a way to make it work. Now, if you have four small children at home. Right. at all and does not want to travel and it's not going to fit your lifestyle then you may have to set it aside but that compelling nature of it isn't going to go away i've had couples who have taken off once they've both understood this they've literally taken off and left canada never to be seen or heard from again the two of them traveling around the world because they totally both had this and had been holding it back because they felt like oh the right thing to do is you have to have your career and you've got to plant right. your roots got to get a house right and they were really unhappy they're enjoying people, that box that the our culture put them in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then there's some people that will just take their kids and take off and go, and then there's other people who will choose a job that allows them to travel and go do work in other cultures very, very effectively. So, hmm. so if, if, for example, if you've got a company and you're going to be opening up in another country, you would want somebody who has that gift of cultural integration to be your ambassador that's going to go into these other countries. That is a very valid piece of business advice, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's a very hands-on piece of actually advice. I, I when I took your course and I, I heard about that, I, I never put it into with business. It was just kind of a personal choice. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, you know when I started teaching this, it was initially the first few years. It was more kind of in the spiritual market. Then right. I really shifted into the very practical market of just applying this to lives. But more recently, I've been doing more and more work in companies mm. and, and with business people. So, you know, we're looking at the really super practical application of this in the workplace. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I, at 51, I certainly have worked in enough jobs and had enough clientele through my Genesis business for years that I have worked. I can't think of a situation I have not been in. And these types of lessons and gifts, Gift knowledge of these types of gifts would have made a lot of people's work life and businesses flow a lot more smoothly had they been on page with sort of this sort of teaching. I could I can certainly attest to that. Mm. Um, do you have an example? And you you've really truly you've named probably half a dozen throughout this whole our whole conversation. But is there one story do you think in your life that you feel there was an impact that's you know has been very specific in someone? They uncovered a gift. And they made decisions based on that knowledge, and it changed everything for them. Like, well, I guess even the couple just that packed up. I mean, that's a brilliant example. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience where you've seen a really profound, excuse me, I apologize, a profound change like that? So that, that couple, um, so he was an engineer. She oh, wow. Was, yeah, he was an engineer, and she was an administrator, I think, in an office-type setting. So the two of them, what they discovered in the program was not only their shared gift of cultural integration, um, he discovered he had a very strong gift of service and craftsmanship. And mm. she, her, she, she was aware of her gift of writing, but had never given herself permission to really do that. So when they started traveling the world, right. she started travel. So she started a blog. And that's how it initially got going. Her blog became very popular, and she got picked up by International Living Magazine online. Brilliant. So, yeah, so she was doing what she loved, traveling, getting into these cultures, writing about her experiences. Somebody picked it up. She started earning income for her pieces that she was, you know, putting in. 
he started what he did with his gift of craftsmanship and service. They would house it. Well, they're still doing it. They've been doing it for years now. So they house it in the most amazing, amazing, amazing places in tropical paradises because that's what they love. Mm -hmm. And then he does work there for uh, like just fixing up the place. For the homeowner. Yeah, for the homeowner and stuff, right? Just doing things that are effortless and easy for him with his gifts of craftsmanship and service and his engineering background. Right. And so they've found ways to not only create the lifestyle they want, but also to generate income to support that lifestyle. The stories are endless. I'll tell you a quick, easy one. Mm -hmm. was a, um, one lady that I knew who was doing a job. She felt she was using her gifts. She felt that what she was doing was a benefit to others. It was the right vehicle for her, but there was this thing that was just like, it was a piece that was not quite right. And when she went through the program, she realized she had a huge gift of compassion, mm -hmm. but her gift of compassion was really, really towards animals. Oh, okay. So she had, she was doing work that allowed her to express her organizational gifts, her gift of service, her gift of compassion. But she was doing it with people. She was doing it with children who had disabilities and special needs. And, of course, what she was doing was a benefit and all of it. But then she really came to realize that it, her heart just opened up when she thought of doing work with animals. So she just shifted that part in her work. She shifted into doing the same kind of job, but mm -hmm. found a place where she could do that, where the beneficiary of what she was doing was animals. And that just cracked it wide open for her. Oh, that's an excellent example. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a, it doesn't have to be a paradigm shift. Sometimes it just has to be a little left to center <laughs> and, and everything can change. Absolutely. Oh. I hear that all the time from people. Oh, I can imagine, especially with the, with what you're teaching. Well, I just want to thank you so very much for being our guest today and for answering all these questions and giving us all a taste of what the sacred gifts are, are about and how you teach them. So how does your program work? Who is best suited for it? And then I'd like you to give us a little information about how people can find you and when your next dates are. Okay, I would say that best suited for it. Uh, that's a tough one to ask me because after ten years of doing this, I've seen you know I've seen kids going into college all the way up to senior citizens choosing how they're going to spend their money and time in retirement. So right. uh, I would say anybody who feels attracted to this content would mm -hmm. benefit from it. Uh, if you have resistance to it, then it's obviously not the right content or the right time. But if you feel like oh it's interesting, then you know you'll gain something from it. Um, how to access it, the uh, website uh, to go to is Your Sacred Gifts, with mm -hmm. an app, YourSacredGifts.com. Okay. And then within there, uh, they'll find uh, the audio series. And the audio series is something anybody can uh, access globally anywhere, anytime, and start immediately into the content. And then if somebody wants to take the live workshop, the next one coming up is in um, September 24th, 25th here in British Columbia. That's okay. in the Great Vancouver area, and that information is also on the website. I think we're almost sold out for that one. Okay. Uh, the next one will be in the fall. And then we also offer a certification program for coaches or practitioners so that they can take our material and utilize it directly with their own uh, clients and make it a tool they have in their toolbox. So someone well. could have a new career, or like you just said, could just be part of a more just another tool. I, I spoke on that actually yeah. this morning. In, in another podcast about just uh, nothing, nothing is truly wasted. Any gift of, well, for me being having, having gift of knowledge, any education and knowledge about anything, whether it's how something mechanically works, how a person's mind works or how someone's gifts work, I think just brings awareness to any situation that you're in, whether work or home. 
Yeah, and I would say our ideal client for our certification program, the ideal client for that are, are typically people who already are in a practice or they're starting a coaching practice and they want this as part of um, bringing awareness to their clients. You know, they want to utilize this material and, and our assessments and tools and everything so that they can take their clients through the process of first understanding their gifts before they launch into coaching or mentoring or whatever with them. Excellent. Okay, so your program works and they can either find you online. And again, for our audience, that's www.YourSacredGifts.com, YourSacredGifts.com. That is Monique's website and all her contact information will be there and probably anything that you need to know. I certainly enjoyed um, having you the first time I was exposed to you, even though it was just an afternoon, and then two years later coming into doing the whole weekend, I but I really like that one-on-one -on -one experience, and uh, your sense of humor, of course, is, is always a big draw and, and enjoyable. It makes the, the days just, you know, fly by just like that. But I do kind of have to comment, you just, you made the comment about someone showing resistance. And I guess I just encourage anyone listening to this podcast today and, and you're thinking, one, don't always think about other people. The change in life is about your change, not focusing on, you know, changing your partner, da 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 But I do have to admit, right out of the gate, I am that wife that emotionally blackmailed my husband to going. I'm not going to lie. And um, did he get out of it what I did? No, but he definitely came away knowing three of his gifts. And I have to say, in our marriage, that brought us an fabulous sense of unity over some of the things that we do, especially socially, understanding that it was a huge part of our personalities. And these are the things that we give to the world as a couple. And it, it brought a lot of clarity, clarity for us. So sometimes a little resistance um, isn't so bad, uh, but I do understand what you're saying. You're going to get so much more out of it like I did when I actually took your weekend because I came just open, completely open to receive. And it has changed my perspective greatly and I greatly appreciate that. So again, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. I'd like to thank Monique for joining us and I look forward to talking talking to you all again and I'll catch you all on the flip side. Have a great day everyone. Thank you for joining me here today and if you subscribe to my podcast, you won't miss a thing. Remember to focus on not living in regret. You can reach me on Twitter at livingwell8 or email me at livingwellwithshell at gmail.com. Let me know what you like best about today's podcast, leave a review on iTunes, or leave me a message on something you'd like me to speak on next. Have a great day, everyone.